because I have so enjoyed spending a little time with the shepherd over these weeks. To spend a little time with him, get to know him. As we've looked at the 23rd Psalm, we saw the life cycle of a sheep, a year cycle. Down at the home pasture, by the still waters up, through the righteous paths, sometimes filled with adversities. Down through that valley of the shadow of death, out on the tableland, feasting with the shepherd. Oh boy. And as fall came on yesterday, or last week, that sheep just said, my cup, it runs over. It's full, I can't stand it. He said, my cup runneth over. Let's read this entire psalm one more time. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemy. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray together. Father, we ask, Lord, in Jesus' name that you'd help us today to stand and preach that that you've laid upon our heart. God, give me a clear mind to think with this morning. I pray that you'd bring to our recollection the things, God, that you communed with us about during our study time. I pray, Lord, that nothing this morning would be about me, but it'd all be about you. Do that as only you can, and we'll thank you for all that's accomplished in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Last Sunday, we saw the sheep as he made an exclamation. He said, my cup, it runs over. Today, we'll see him make another exclamation. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. There's a few things that I think, Brother Neil, that we've seen as we've studied the 23rd Psalm. Number one, I hope we've got a better appreciation for the shepherd. Oh, just time spent with him, sweet time with the shepherd. I believe in this, uh, this, in this uh, psalm that maybe we've gotten a better appreciation for the flock. Oh, who we are and who you are and our together relationship in serving the shepherd. But then I believe in this psalm we've got a better understanding of our place or our station in life. Can I say to you this morning that life is a mixture? They're not all, they're not all days that are out on the tablelands feasting. They're not all high days, but there's some low days. I began to think about Israel as they came 
across the Jordan River, their very next stop was a place called Myra. A place where the waters were bitter and they learned there that life has a mixture. There's good times and bad times. And I began to think about it, Brother Neil, as the shepherd is beginning to lead now off of the table grounds. And the sheep began to leave that table ground where they've been all summer long feasting and they start back down through the valley. And they're at this premises of a valley that's dark and cloudy or maybe they're at the bottom of a hill that they're going to have to climb. They can't help but wonder what, that, what kind of days lie ahead. Can I say to you this morning, I don't know what tomorrow holds. But I know this, there'll be days if you live, there'll be times that'll be good times. But there'll also be times that'll be bad times. It'll be a mixture, the good and bad. Uh, There'll be birthdays and there'll be funeral home visits. Uh, There'll be marriages and there'll be times when spouses will die. There'll be times when you'll feel healthy and vigorous uh, and other times when your health will fade and you'll be sick and you'll feel like you can't make it. Uh, There'll be times uh, uh, when you feel like uh, the bank account's full uh, and then there'll be times when you can't pay the bills. Uh, I'm just here to tell you good times come and bad times come. Uh, That's the facts of life. It's true with everybody. Uh, Everybody faces good times and bad times. But here's what the psalmist said. He said no matter the circumstance, no matter the condition, no matter what's going on, no matter what's happening, there's two things that are always present and that's God's goodness and God's mercy. Amen. They're real in the high times and they're real in the low times. Hey, goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our life. This phrase speaks of the reality of the Christian life. God's goodness and mercy is with us every step of the way. But I wonder this morning if we really believe that. I wonder this morning if we really believe that regardless of the circumstance, Regardless of what's going on, that uh, goodness and mercy is attending our lives. You see, it's one thing, Brother Marvin, when the, uh, everything's going good to brag about God's goodness and mercy. But what about when the rug gets jerked out? What about when the low times come? What about when sickness is there? Boy, it's harder to see God's goodness and mercy during those days. But all that we can do is trust that somehow God is working it for our gain and His glory. Because we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. To those that are called according to His purpose. And so in those days of doubt, in those days of trouble, all we can do is say, I don't know how. But somewhere is God's goodness. And somewhere is God's mercy. Amen. Why? Because it's told me in the Word of God that they'll follow me all the days of my life. I'm going to give you a few things right here. First of all is the encompassing of God's goodness and mercy. 
Can I say to you this morning that it it defines our life. It defines our life. Goodness and mercy are with us always. Now, as I've already said to you this morning, hard times come to save people. But I've got news for you. Hard times come to lost people. Saved people get cancer. But how many of you will agree with me? Lost people get cancer. Saved people have financial problems. But how many of you would agree with me that lost people have financial problems? Saved people have marital issues. How many of you would agree with me that lost people have marital issues? You see, life is hard. You know why? Because you and I live in a sin-cursed world. Now, it's often been wondered why good things or why bad things happen to good people. But here's the facts. When you consider that our world is cursed by sin and that Satan is in control and in charge and in the prince and the power of the air, it's a miracle that anything good ever happens. You'd think all that ever happened would be bad with that being the circumstance. It's the miracle of God that you have any good days considering that. So it hadn't ought to be, why does this bad thing happen? Instead, when something good happens, you ought to go, well, I don't know why anything good would ever happen in this sin-cursed world. And to somebody, sorry as I am, but something good happened, and I thank God for it. Amen. Trouble comes to everybody. But the fact is, you and I that are saved have an advantage the world doesn't have. You know why Jesus called the Holy Spirit the comforter? Because we were going to face trouble sometimes. Unless you face trouble sometimes, you never need a comforter. Because there wouldn't be anything to comfort. But Jesus knew that troubles was coming and problems were coming and heartaches were coming. And so he sent a comforter uh, that during the hard times he could be reminding us that God is a God of goodness. God is a God of mercy. They attend our life all the time. We've got an advantage that the lost don't have. We've got a Savior we can pray to uh, and trust in. Amen. And can encourage us along life's way. It identifies our life. But then it describes our shepherd. You think about the words goodness, Brother Marvin, goodness and mercy. Those words describe who our Lord is. How many of you will agree with me this morning that we serve a good God? If God wasn't good, everybody in this building would be in hell with a back burn. That's what I deserve. I don't know about you. But I was a rotten, dirty, filthy, hell-deserving sinner. And I'm glad this morning I serve a good God. A God that was long-suffering to me one day. A God that came to where I was and called me unto himself. Who gave me opportunity after opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to be saved. I'm glad, thank God, for the goodness of God. The psalmist said in another place, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. And boy, those of you that have tasted this morning, you ought to worship the Lord with me today and say, you're right, preacher. I serve an awful good God. Oh, He's been good in my life. Amen. At every turn and every circumstance. I'd have to say that God is good. But not only God's goodness, but we see God's mercy. 
I thank God that not only is he a good God, but thank God he's a merciful God. God's goodness provides for my every need. When I lack, I can trust God's goodness to provide. But God's mercy pardons my every sin. (laughs) When I've fallen, I can trust God to be a God of mercy. Mm, Boy, I don't know about you, but I've been like the wayward sheep a few times in my life. All we like sheep have gone astray. But the Lord did what? He had laid upon him the iniquity of us all. I'm glad, thank God, for a God of mercy. I'm glad he's allowed me to rock back and be back in the fold this morning. I look back on life and what I've been. And I wish I could have done a lot of things different. I was thinking about it the other day. I wish life had a rewind button. I'd go back and undo and re- do and overdo but you can't do anything about yesterday and you can't do anything about last week but I'm glad thank God and time and time again God has been a merciful God and allowed me to come back well glory hallelujah he's a God of mercy now watch this his delight is in mercy according to Micah 7 18 The Bible said he delighted in mercy. Ephesians 2 and 4 tells us that he is rich in mercy. That's his wealth. His throne is a throne of mercy. Exodus 25 and 22 tells us that he'll commune with us above the mercy seat. Oh my, in the tabernacle when God laid forth that tabernacle inside that most holy place, Brother Neal, was the Ark of the Covenant. Inside of that Ark of the Covenant was the law of God. But God didn't allow his law to just lay there uncovered. But he covered it. You know what he covered it with? He covered it, thank God, with a mercy seed. And it's the mercy seed on which the blood was applied. Amen. I'm glad that where there's law, thank God there's mercy. I'm glad where sin abounded. Grace didn't much more abound. Hey, hey, God is the God of goodness and mercy. And let me say this. This goodness and mercy, it differentiates according to our circumstances. Some days I lack, and the goodness of God slides in and helps me out. Some days I fall, and the mercy of God comes by and rescues me. So it encompasses our life. But then I want to notice the explanation of God's goodness and mercy. And this is really why I want to get to preach. There's an explanation of God's goodness and mercy. Someone, I believe it's William Avery's book I was reading this week. He said that goodness and mercy are like sheepdogs. It might have to be mine. He said they're like the sheepdogs that help the shepherd. Have y'all ever seen the Australian sheepdog or the border collie? And have you ever seen them work a flock? Boy, you turn the, one of them sheepdogs loose and they'll start working the outside of that flock. And moving that flock. Now, the shepherd always goes out in front. But those sheepdogs follow in behind. I believe Effie Meyer Meyer said that goodness and mercy are like the sheepdogs of the flock. 
They follow the flock and help care for the sheep. Let me give you a few thoughts right here. And if I lose it, y'all just have to bear with me. It's been big in my heart. First of all, there are our companions. Them sheep dogs. When the sheep lay down in the evening and begin to chew the cud and begin to relax in the evening in the shade of the day, just as the sheep, just as the sheep find comfort in the shepherd's rod and in the shepherd's staff. Brother Neil, they look over there at those attentive sheep dogs who'll be walking around in the flock and they find comfort knowing that nothing can happen to them as long as them big sheep dogs are around. Now, I've never dealt with border collies or with Australian shepherds, but I've had my fair share of dealings with, uh, dealings with Great Pyrenees. About my entire dog life, we've had a Great Pyrenees dog. And uh, my Great Pyrenees I've got now, her name's Sadie, and she had puppies a few years ago. And we keep her, in a, uh, we keep her tied, had to build her a big, nice place to have the puppies. The puppies are in there. And one evening we were at church, and Travis said he was coming down the road and said he heard a coyote he sounded like it was in my yard. He said he thought, what in the world? So he pulled up my driveway and sure enough, a pack of coyotes had come down there in my yard and she had 11 little bitty puppies and they had them puppies pinned up against the build, up against my building and were in the process of trying to kill them pups. Well, Sadie was tied. Now, I want you to understand, she's this big. I mean, she looks like a horse. And uh, Travis said I didn't have no gun. Said I got out of the truck, packed my hands, yelled and screamed, and said them coyotes didn't pay a bit of attention to me. He said, I didn't know what to do. He said, then he come to me. I believe it just turned mama loose. Said he ran up there and he unhitched Sadie. And he said, you've never seen anything like that in your life. He said, these coyotes flying up in the air. And coyotes getting turned over. She run up in there, son. Got, she just grabbing them and throwing them. And I'm telling you, she's a, uh, she's a huge dog, but they really is not a mean bone in her body. I, I wouldn't have thought you could have made her be mean. But boy, the mama come out in her. And she just went throwing them coyotes all over the place uh, and taking care of business, amen, uh, and protecting them puppies. Uh, can I say to you, uh, thank God I'm followed by two sheepdogs uh, and their names are goodness and mercy. Uh, amen. And it brings me comfort at night. Uh, oh, how many of you uh, have faced troubles and problems and heartaches? Uh, how some of you are in the midst of problems and heartaches right now. And while you may not be able to understand it, I might thank God when you go to bed at night, you know there's two sheepdogs out there somewhere. Goodness and mercy. And it'll bring comfort to your heart. So they're companions. But not only are they companions, not only they follow us as companions, and I say this to you, they follow us as caretakers. You know what they are? They're watchers of a rear attack. Now that shepherd, Brother Neil, he's always out in front leading. He's got his rod and his staff and he's clearing the way. But uh, the rear flank has to be protected. And that's where goodness and mercy come in. 
Oh, how many of you can agree with me right here? The devil would sneak in from behind and attack us if he could. But I'm glad God's goodness and mercy are always to make God standing guard. Amen. From a rear attack. I've took a couple of classes on tactical movements in the woods. Man hunting as well as nav, land nav classes. They always have a point man. The point man, he's cutting side and he's working his way through the woods looking for whoever's escaped. But you know what? This is important as the point man is what they call rear security. <laughs> and when, anytime you stop and get a little drink of water or something, somebody will say, all right, form up, set security. That means that somebody's going to turn around and watch the rear. <laughs> Amen. Boy, I'm glad I don't have to worry about a sneak attack. I've got goodness and mercy. Boy, I want somebody to shout. I've got goodness and mercy watching out for me on the backside. Let me put it to you this way. I'm surrounded. Amen. But me, i got the good shepherd out front. I got goodness and mercy in the back. I'd say God's taking real good care of his flock. Now watch this. It's also, they're also not only for our caretake, but they're also put there for our corrections. You know what them sheepdogs will do? <laughs> when them sheep will start to wander off one side or the other, them sheepdog will run past it, come back around and nip at the heels of them sheep. Now, they wouldn't hurt them sheep for the world, but they'll come back around and nip at the hills of them sheep, and they'll put them sheep back in line. Now, I want you to listen to me. There, when, I, when I stray, you know what happens? Them, them sheepdogs of goodness and mercy begin to pull back in. You know, the Bible says it's the goodness of God that leadeth unto repentance. When I start to stray, God will dispatch His goodness and His mercy and they'll get on my trail. And boy, no matter how far I've gone, some of you this morning are burdened about loved ones that have strayed off the path. Let me tell you something out there. Somewhere's goodness and mercy. And you mark her down. It may not seem like anything's happening. It may seem like the spinning her wheels will not get anywhere. But mark her down. Goodness and mercy are nipping at the heels. Amen. And hey, goodness is saying, don't you remember all the days I was good to you. Don't you remember all the days I hey, that I helped you. And then mercy, you know what is mercy saying? Mercy saying there is a way home. There is a way home. You can go back. I thank God. I'm glad for God's goodness and mercy. So it works as our correctors. So we see the explanation of goodness and mercy. But then I want you to notice this. There's the emphatic availability of goodness and mercy. Get, get, oh, you done got it back up. Look here. What's that first word say? Somebody read that for me. Surely. Aren't you glad that verse didn't start off with maybe? Maybe goodness and mercy. I know we'll forget. I was a, uh, I was a supervisor at the Anchor County Christian School and a principal there for a little while. That little boy's name was Dusty. What's Dusty's last name? Yeah, Dusty Wilson. No, 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 no. Dusty Simmons. Dusty Simmons. And uh, he was going to learn the 23rd Psalm. And he got up one day and was going to say it. And boy, he said it word for word. And he got right here and here's what he said. 
He said, surely to goodness, <laughs> mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Surely to goodness. I never have forgot as long as I live. Surely to goodness. Well, aren't you glad this verse started with surely? Not maybe. Not sometimes. Not possibly. But surely. That is a heavenly guarantee. If goodness, if I ever get into a situation where goodness and mercy ain't following me, that means God was a liar. And God don't lie. You may not be able to point them out, Brother Neil. You may not be able to find them. But surely they're somewhere. It's a heavenly guarantee. It's an assurance that goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Now at different stations in life, at different times in life, I have to wonder. Where is God's goodness and mercy at? How many of you will agree with me right here? God has brought you through things that at the time you didn't understand. But once you got on the other side of it and you look back the other way, you said, oh, well, there's God's goodness. There was God's mercy. I couldn't see it when I was in the middle of it, but now it is as plain as the nose on my face. God didn't lie. Hey, whatever you're going through right now, it's the same way. When you get on the other side of it, you'll say, oh, well, there was God's goodness, and there was God's mercy. Hey, God, I'm glad they're always, it's a sure thing. I want to give you something this morning that I've never had seen till this week. And that is an example of God's goodness and mercy. I don't know if anybody's ever read the book, A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23 by Philip Keller. It's one of the greatest books I've got in my study. I just love to read it again and again and again. In in this, this section, he points out something that I've never seen before. And here's what he said. He said, although sheep can be destructive to a pasture if left unmanaged, and that's true. You turn a bunch of sheep out, they'll just destroy a pasture. He said, when properly managed, a sheep is the greatest benefit to a pasture of any livestock. You know why? It's a little gross, but their manure is more dense in nutrients than any other livestock. And because sheep, Brother Neil, love to stay up on the high places and up on the high hills, uh, that uh, nutrients from their manure will come down uh, and settle in the valley. um, Philip Keller said, I have personally seen uh, farms that were destroyed uh, that because of the mismanagement, when a man comes in and begins to properly manage, uh, they flourish and look like some sort of a park. Uh, It's unbelievable how good uh, that properly managed sheep are for a pasture. I want to show you a way to look at this I've never had seen before. Watch it. You with me? Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. Don't ask you something. In other words, when properly managed, a sheep leaves in its wake goodness and mercy. That's what leaves behind it. Goodness and mercy. I'm going to ask you something. 
What do you leave behind you? Is your community better off because you live in it? Is this community better off because this church is here? Are we leaving a green are we leaving goodness and mercy behind us? Are we leaving a green pasture behind us? Oh my. Now I, I was preaching on goodness and mercy being them sheepdogs and nobody shouted, or I might have got I might have got wound up and not ever got to this point. But here we are. What do you live behind you? Now, Philip Keller said that if a if a flock is managed appropriately, that they'll turn a bad place into a good place. Let me ask you a few questions. Let me ask me a few questions. Do I leave behind peace or turmoil? When my life goes through, the people say, boy, Bradley really brought some peace. And I'm telling you, this has been convicting my heart. Do I leave behind me goodness and mercy? You see, there's one way to look at that. You can look at it as them sheepdogs that are following. But you can look at that also as the trail that we leave behind. Everywhere we go, Miss Cody, every step we take, we ought to leave behind us goodness and mercy. Oh, I've got a quote I've got to read. Here's what F.B. Meyer said. He said, The only real practical measure of my appreciation for the goodness and mercy of God is the extent to which I in turn am prepared to show goodness and mercy toward others. Hey, am I leaving goodness and mercy in my trail? Let me ask you this question. Do I live behind forgiveness or bitterness? I dealt with it in my Sunday school class this morning. A hardened heart. I wonder how many of you right now are holding a hard heart. And you know, Paul points out there in Hebrews 3 that a hard heart, those, those children of Israel, Psalm 95, they provoked God for 40 years. And you know what they did every day? Their heart just got harder. They watched carcasses fall in the wilderness and people die and every day their heart got harder. You'd have thought they'd have seen those people die and you'd have thought they'd have said, oh boy, I better get my heart right. But no, once you get a heart, a hard heart, it's hard to ever get rid of. There's some of you right now, you've gotten, a, you've gotten into a tiff, you've got a problem with somebody in your life, bitterness is starting to build, things are starting to fester, and if you don't deal with it, if you don't address it, it's going to get out of hand, and you'll never be able to get it back if you ain't careful. What do you live in your wake? Is it forgiveness or bitterness? Do people say about you, boy, they just, they, they just were so kind and so forgiving and had such a loving spirit. Or they say about you, boy, that's a bitter old person. What do we leave behind? Are we leaving behind goodness and mercy? Is that what's following us in our wake? Think about this. Do I leave behind contentment? Or do I leave behind conflicts? Do I leave behind flowers of joy? Or do I leave behind frustrations? Do I leave behind love? Or do I leave behind anger? What is it that's following me? 
in my wake. I'm going to close today's message in a way that you probably, if you, you know, if you had come in here and bet on how I was going to close this message, nobody would have took this as a bet. But there's a line from a movie that keeps coming to my mind, and I try not to, I try not to use carnal examples from movies. But the Lord, just, it kept, keeps coming back to my mind. I don't know how many of you have ever seen the movie Saving Private Ryan. I wouldn't recommend going out and watching it if you can find it on, you know, like this uh, 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 regular TV maybe. But in Saving Private Ryan, if you've never seen it, there's a, it's during World War II and there's a group of men. They all end up dying in order to save one private whose last name is Ryan. At the end of the movie... An older Private Ryan is walking through a cemetery. He's, he's there, he's there uh, at, uh, at the National Cemetery in Washington, D.C., Arlington. And as he walks through that cemetery, he comes to the grave of the man, the captain, uh, and those other men that had given their lives in order to save him. And he looks at his family and he says, tell me I've been a good man. He says, tell me I've been a good husband. He said, tell me I've been a good brother and a good dad. You know why he says that? Because he hopes that he has lived a life worthy of the sacrifice that those men made to save him. When I come to the end of life's journey, I want to be able to say that I left goodness and mercy in my way. Tell me I've been a good man. Tell me I've been a good daddy. You know why? Because one greater died to redeem me. And I want to live worthy of His sacrifice that He made for my life. Surely goodness and mercy church should follow us in our way. I think about I think about times when I didn't leave goodness and mercy in my way. I think about times when I left anger and bitterness behind me. I think about times when I went when I didn't treat people the way I ought to have treated them. Yesterday on my praying ground, I said, Lord, help me not to make that mistake no more. Help every step to be ordered by goodness and mercy. Help me to leave in my way. A legacy of goodness and mercy. There's been folks in my family who have died millionaires. Millionaires. You know what they left in their wake? A lot of trouble and a lot of problems, a lot of fussing and a lot of fight. My nanny died with enough money to bury him. That's it. You know why? She'd give it all the rest of it away. She was good to people and loved on people. And to this day, you mention her name, people go, oh, I loved your grandmother. You know why, Daryl? Because behind her, she left a wake of goodness and mercy. Those are the things that will follow you even after you're dead. Nobody's going to care that you died a millionaire. 
Nobody's going to care that you died with thousands of acres of land, the nicest home in the community. Somebody else will live there. Somebody else will spend your money. Somebody else will drive your vehicles. Nobody's going to care. You know what will make an impact, Brother Neil? Is if you've left goodness and mercy in your way. If you've been good to people and love people and showed them the goodness and the love of God. If you've not allowed bitterness to eat up your heart, you've remained soft-hearted and you've tried to do right by mankind. That's the kind of things that even after you're dead and gone, they'll say goodness and mercy followed after them. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. You see that last phrase? I got one more message. We're heading home, young we're heading toward the hole. Yes, but as I head toward the hole, I want goodness and mercy to follow me. I want to leave goodness and mercy. How about you? I want to leave goodness and mercy in my wake. Surely goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life. Let's stand our feet. Father, Lord, would you help us during this time of invitation? I really don't even know how to give it. Oh, God. Just pray that you put away bitterness, anger, and clamor. God, that you'd help us live a life that behind us we'd leave goodness and mercy. <laughs> oh, God. I got You come if you need to. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, thank you. Oh, God, thank you. Lord, help me, God, to leave in my way goodness and mercy. God, help me to be what you want me to be as a Christian. Lord, if I, if I stray from right to left, Lord, correct me with goodness and mercy, God. Help me, Lord. I want to be the real deal, Lord. I want to be the real deal. Through good times and bad times, hard times, trouble, Lord. Help God, goodness and mercy to always follow me. I want to leave something behind that my kids could say, Daddy, always left goodness and mercy behind. Oh, Lord, we're going to thank you for all you do. It's in 